Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey guys, it's Daniel Smooth from Time to BS. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast, and I got something to tell you all today. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one simple place. Let me explain before we start the show. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or even your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place and best of all anchor is totally free so what are you waiting for download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started thanks for tuning in guys and enjoy the show to BS, a U-Stadium podcast. Good evening. Welcome to the program. Glad you could take your lousy time to join me. Well, it's literally just me, so... And Chad Forbes, who's going to join me in a couple minutes. But we'll talk plenty of football. Plenty, plenty, plenty of football to be discussed. So, without further ado, let's get Chad on, shall we? It's time to BS. All right. So, we have a special guest joining the show. Uh, please introduce yourself, my man. I'm Chad Forbes. You can all find me on Twitter at NFL Draft Bites, and uh, I'm a football guy here to you know, here to talk some ball, and uh, hopefully you guys can all give me a follow at NFL Draft Bites. Please give him a follow. He's a great follow. Hell of a guy also. Um, Chad, it's just... What a trade deadline. I mean, jeez. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was a little more exciting in the weeks leading up to the deadline, and then everybody says, you know, deadlines spur action, but ultimately, you know, a lot of a lot of quiet moments, you know, leading up to the deadline on Tuesday, and uh, you know, so it wasn't great television, but I think a lot of teams actually did make some deals prior to uh, Tuesday that were really kind of fascinating. The deadline, the the moves before the deadline, of course, are very interesting. The one that pops out to me, of course, I'm a fan of the Seahawks, uh, and. My division rival traded both their starting corners away, essentially for Jalen Ramsey. Marcus Peters traded to Baltimore, and Aqib Tlaib 
traded to the Miami Dolphins. Um, I see this as a downgrade from Peter from Peters and Talib. So well, the, yeah, they couldn't get Peters to play within the system, and he was always going to be kind of a guy that likes to freelance, wasn't tackling. So they feel like it's a huge upgrade, and they weren't going to re-sign Peters at the end of the year. And Ramsey, if he you know, gets back to focus on football, he's one of the best corners in the NFL, and you know, he'll be a building block there for many years to come. And you know, I don't think the depth there is as big a concern. You know, they still got Troy Hill, Nickel Roby Coleman. Those guys will kind of play second fiddle to Jalen Ramsey. But, you know, it's really a big move by Los Angeles. They love the, you know, the glamour, the big headline. And uh, they gave up a lot, but they certainly generated a lot of buzz. Absolutely. Jalen Ramsey is, I, be, I think, worth the two first-round picks ten, tenfold. Absolutely. Um, Seattle didn't make any moves other than trading for Quandre Diggs from Detroit. Um, did that surprise you at all? You know, today, Tedrick Thompson goes on to the injured reserve list, and they've had some issues just that single high position for really since Earl got hurt last year, Earl Thomas. And, you know, Quandre Diggs is a versatile player. He can also plays in nickel. He moved around between safety and corner with the Lions. I think it's a really good fit for Seattle, and they really didn't give up much to get him. So, a good move by them. And I think they made a couple other deals, didn't they? No, they didn't. I, um, they were in, they were in linked to Cincinnati to get Tyler Eifert. I kept seeing that pop around, but they didn't they didn't make a trade other than Quandre Diggs. Well, I, I guess how do you view the you know the Clowney trade at the start of the season because that was obviously not the trade that you know, necessarily didn't happen at the deadline, but was obviously a huge move and they part of some capital. Really of course. not that much actually to get at, to get Clowney in there. So they've got the talent on that defense. It'll be interesting to see if Pete can get to the play up at that level. I saw your most recent tweet about your season awards and you had a very interesting pick for league MVP can you please explain to us who that would be I, I just think we should say to Bill Belichick who on your defense deserves the MVP award because clearly the most valuable you know the most valuable thing in the league right now is that defense they're playing at an absolute dominant level I'd also say the 49ers are kind of playing on the quite the same in terms of the turnover production so to me it's you know yeah, the quarterbacks are having a good year and the MVP I I knock it because I basically say it's becoming you know, the who's the best quarterback this year award rather than actually you know giving it to maybe someone in a different position. So I went a little outside the box with Stephon Gilmore. I know he's got no chance. They'll end up probably giving it to you know whichever quarterback out of this group can stay healthy, whether it's Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is a absolutely, but yeah, the MVP award has uh, sort of been an outlier thanks to well, the last ten years in general. It's going to oh. Who's the best quarterback in the league? Right, exactly. You know, that, that's just the way it is. It's the premier position in sports. So it's not surprising, but at the same time, it'd be, like, it'd be nice if the offensive player of the year didn't also go to a quarterback. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think Russell Wilson will probably end up being the MVP, but I just think that Patriots defense has just been dominant. Even though they haven't played anyone, I'm just, that's just me being nitpicky. <laughs> yeah, well, they'll definitely have more tests on the schedule coming up soon. Yeah, they play the Ravens this coming Sunday night, I believe. Yeah, Lamar Jackson could give those guys some trouble the way he's been running around. And yeah, he went up to Seattle and gave you guys a hard time. So yeah, he, he did give me a hard time. He did give me one heck of a hard time, that's for sure. Running for yeah, over a hundred. He's, he's running around like we haven't seen since Michael Vick, and uh, he's he's one of the most gifted athletes we've really ever seen playing the position. And, and he's young. Comparison is really that ludicrous. And he's young. I I thought he was the closest thing to Michael Vick when he came out when he came into the draft. 
you know, I didn't even think he was this explosive. I've been really, you know, surprised. And I think they built a scheme that's just perfect to his skill set at the current moment. We'll see over time if he can develop more as a passer and kind of become a complete quarterback. But what the Ravens have done in terms of just tailoring that offense has really been nothing short of spectacular. Uh, Russell Wilson seems like the front runner to the MVP favorite. Um, well, he is the MVP favorite as of right now. Would you consider him to be the lock front runner? I'm, however, you put it. You know, Mahomes is the front runner until three weeks ago when he got hurt, right? So health is obviously a huge factor, and Russell, you know, throughout his career has nearly never had a huge injury. Knock on wood. So, you know, I just think what's amazing what Russell's doing because really back in the old days of the Seahawks, early Pete Carroll years. He was more of a passenger than really driving the ship. The defense was really the focal point of that team. And it's just shifted completely towards an offensive-driven team. It's a good defense. But we all know the Bucks toss with Russell Wilson. And you just look at the help they're giving him. You know, the center's now on injured reserve. He's got Mike Ayupati at left guard. Dwayne Brown's been down. But there's just no excuses for that guy. He continues to produce. I think he's done a great job integrating DK Metcalf into that offense. And Tyler Lockett, he's making that guy look like he's all pro. Yeah, Absolutely. And Aaron Rodgers, we continue to praise the great Aaron Rodgers, but is this his best season he's had in his career? Probably since the 2011 season. Uh, I wouldn't. I actually don't think he's at the peak of his powers. I think the athleticism's gone on him a little bit, but mentally he's more advanced than where he was, you know, say, five or six or seven years ago in terms of the game. Game's just perfectly slowed down for him, and he still has the skill set to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. People kind of forget quickly that, like, you know, opening night, they look terrible against the Bears. The first couple weeks, the offense was sputtering. There was rumors of, you know, kind of some friction between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, which those aren't rumors. They're, they're, those two personalities, sometimes they do uh, they do clash. But the last few weeks, Aaron Rodgers just looked fantastic. And really what it's been is Aaron Jones has just looked spectacular in the offensive line since they've kind of integrated into rookie Elson Jenkins. They've got a little more in the run game. Jimmy Graham's not even a factor there, and Devontae Adams has been out, but they've been producing some big numbers. Yeah, I thought Jimmy Graham could have gotten traded. That was just me. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Graham doesn't do much for you anymore. He's kind of like, he's a guy at this point, and he's a guy that's going to get only about $10, 12000000 million a year, and that's not going to return much in the trade. But you also got to remember, by the way, Seahawks just reminded myself that they did trade Nick Finette, too. Yeah. Well, in terms of deadline acquisitions, like towards the deadline. Not true. Well, they traded Vanette because Disley has been playing out of his... Disley, before he got hurt, was playing out of his mind. And Jacob Hollister... For Disley getting hurt, correct? Yeah, what? This is the second straight year Disley's gotten hurt? Yeah, that's why I said you could have gone after Eifert in free agency. Or yeah, trade the line. I would trade a fourth-round pick for Eifert, and just judging by his history, he'll probably get hurt, too. I would have traded a... Honestly, I would have gone after O.J. Howard. I don't blame you, and there are a lot of teams that were looking for O.J. Howard, but they weren't really going to move him. So it did, you know, didn't look like a win for the Buccaneers. Yeah, and speaking of Tampa Bay, I play them this Sunday. Yep, big game coming up. I think you guys should win pretty handily. Nah, Bruce Arians tends to give me trouble. Nah, Bruce does give you trouble. That, that is true, and you know, he gives the oddest teams trouble. It's like, just when you think there's a great defense or a great scheme, all of a sudden Bruce will produce some big numbers, but... I don't even think Bruce trusts Bruce, uh, Jameis Winston at this point. No. Um, which teams can you see go after a quarterback via the draft or free agency this coming offseason? You know, everybody's talking about the you know, 
Where will Teddy Bridgewater sign for agency? You know, we're going to have another offseason of people trying to claim that he's going to get $20 million in free agency. I just find it comical. It's like cause nobody realized that Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Philip Rivers are all slated to be free agents. And both Drew Brees and Tom Brady have clauses in their contract where they cannot be franchise tax. That, to me, is fascinating. I expect the Titans will go after Philip Rivers. There could be a couple teams in on him. And Brees, you know, you got to think he probably either resigns with New Orleans or hangs him up. And then Brady probably either goes back to New England or I've speculated San Francisco. But they look like they're okay with Jimmy G right now. you got Mariota and Winston. There's a lot of guys. You know, the draft is going to be the same. You know, top team picking a top that don't have quarterbacks. Whether it be you know, the Bengals, Dolphins, Chargers might be in that market. So... You know, it's still early to figure out who's going to declare for the draft. Two is definitely going to be in there, and we know Herbert from Oregon will be in there. But, uh, you know, the market kind of is still, uh, I guess, materializing at this point. This quarterback class before Joe Burrow emerged into the Heisman Trophy favorite, it's, it's a confusing class. I've been following this quarterback class like crazy, and to me it's Herbert, Tua, Burrow, and then Fromm. Maybe you can include Jacob Eason as, like, the five. But are, who are your top five quarterbacks? I, I, think, I think you listed them. It's the hype on Jordan Love. There's a lot of people. He does his supporters around the league, but I really – I don't see it. You know, I think I'm going to have to watch some more tape on him because the production is just not there. But Burrow, Herbert, Tua, that's a, that's a pretty good one, two, three at top. And I think there's not – you know, it's not going to be a top of the draft. The Jets aren't going to be in the market. The Giants aren't going to be in the market. So – there's not going to be a, like a huge push for teams to trade up for these guys. And I see the Bengals taking one, the Dolphins, you know, grabbing probably two of first overall. And uh, it, there really is no sleeper at this point for me. And that's uh, that's an oddity this time of year. Who's the next game wrecker? Is it Chase Young or is it someone else that you may have up your sleeve? What's that? In terms of game wreckers on defense in the draft, is it Chase Young or is it someone else we don't know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Ch- Chase Young is... <laughs> You're watching what Bosa's doing for the 49ers right now. I think he can do that for a team next year right away. I'm a Penn State. I'm a Penn State fan. Sorry to interrupt you. I'm a Penn State fan, and the Bosa brothers gave me nightmares. Yeah, Penn State has a pretty good one. Uh, Yater Gross Matos. I'm not enamored with him, but he seems to be generating a lot of first round buzz. LSU has a pass rusher. Yeah. Espinosa from Iowa. There's going to be a good group of pass rushers. But really, the strength of this draft, kind of in the early stages, has been the offensive tackles. There's a lot of really good ones. Andrew Thomas from Georgia has been playing really well. No, he's a, he's a great player. And they rave about him at Georgia, just how good of a kid he is. And guys down there say he's never even gets beaten in practice. So, you know, he's going to be a top top eight pick. And then you got the two Alabama tackles, Stanford tackle, who are really high recruits that are underclassmen. So they should see if they declare. And then Iowa's got two bookends that have a chance of going in the first round. And there's like, Four or five, I guess I would call them sleeper tackles, who are on the NFL's radar, but not necessarily going to pop up in a lot of mock drafts at this point. So you're going five first-round picks in terms of tackles. Yeah, I think there could be five to seven. Uh, the USC tackle has a chance of going there. The Houston tackle, uh, it's a really good group. I'm not an error with the Oregon tackle, Rockmanton, but you know, some people think he could end up in the first round. So I think it's going to be an offensive line-heavy draft, and you know, if you just look at the teams you know, that are picking a top, that that's probably music their years how good this class is. If you are you a Jet fan by chance? Because I feel like you're I'm a not. Jet fan. I'm not. Mind if I ask? I, I, I am agnostic. You are agnostic. I'm I'm uh, I don't have a fandom. I like people, and I root for people that 
And, uh, for example, I'm a Tom Coughlin fan. I'm not a Giants fan. I just like Tom Coughlin. I like can't blame you. Can't blame you. Where my loyalty lies. Okay, but if we have um here on New Stadium, we have, we have a ton of Jet fans. Um, the sports site that I'm on, plenty of Jet fans. So, if you had to fix the Jets in your image, how would you do it? You know, Eric Manzini came in there back in 2006, 2007. His first two draft picks were Drew Brickershaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold. He bookended them in the first round. Next year, he went with Revis and David Harris. He had four cornerstone players that lasted there for a decade. I would follow a very similar blueprint. Focus on the offensive line, surround Sam, and give him a chance to succeed. Put the defense on the back burners for the near term, and really rebuild that offense in the way that Adam Gay 6 needs to be run. And it's got to start up front on that offensive line. They're getting bullied all over the place by even teams that aren't that good. And, and they just, you know, they've got the second highest paid offensive line in the league, and it's probably the worst unit you know, we've seen this year. And that's, <laughs> it's very strange when you're investing that type of money in a unit to have it be this bad. And then on defense, you know, they're going to need pass rushers to cover corners, which are really hard to find. So it's going to take some time. But, you know, fixing make sure Sam Donald is the franchise quarterback has got to be the step. I can tell you how they could, they should fix everything. First thing they should do. Well, I trust Joe Douglas. I grew I up in a family of, I grew up in a family of Jet fans and I I would fire Gase even though he I Gase has grown on me from time to time, but I I can't see him lasting another season in New York, but Joe Douglas needs to find his guy. I would have personally gone after a Mike McCarthy kind of guy, or if John DeFilippo decides, hey, I want to be head coach again, or I want to try to be a head coach, I would go after him. You know what's interesting about Mike McCarthy is I think every fan base is like, oh, let's go after Mike McCarthy. And you talk to guys that you know, work in the team or around the league, and everybody's like, oh, God, his offense has gone stale. He lost that locker room. He was in a great situation. He couldn't, you know, couldn't find a way to make it work with Aaron Rodgers. And he's a tough guy to work with. He's a little bit, you know, kind of conceited. It's like, probably not the right word. So it's amazing the perception of him outside the NFL compared to inside of it, what he can do here. And if you trust Joe Douglas, I think during that time, you got to, you know, start rebuilding that roster. And if you want to get a better coach in there than Adam Gaze, you know, hopefully you'll have drafted some really good football players and someone will say, I want to work for that team. Firing a guy this quickly just does you no favors. You sure? Like you would you would stick with Gase for yeah, how long? Yeah, I think Gase is a good football coach. Well, it makes one of us. <laughs> well, I mean, look at the roster. The talent's not there, and frankly, he didn't get to pick most of it. So, all right, he got the deck stacked a little bit against. I'm him. trusting uh, you, Chad. I'm, I'm trusting you on that one. I'm trusting you on that one. You're, you're talking to a guy who has hated Pete, who has despised Pete Carroll since that and play. If you, if you despise Pete Carroll, then I can't help you. Well, I can't blame you on that one, Chad. <laughs> I really can't. No, that's funny. You say you despise Pete Carroll. Well, let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. I don't despise him. He infuriates me. Because what is, he... What, what about him could infuriate you? Well, who's, your, who's his quarterback? Russell Wilson. Exactly. So, you have a quarterback... That has the skill set to throw, I'm just throwing out numbers here, 4,800 yards a season for 38-plus touchdowns. You see the season he's having and the last few years. 
that he's had. He's slowly releasing the handcuffs off Russell Wilson, and he's the highest paid quarterback in the league. I don't under I've never understood it, but then again, it's his right. philosophy. Jarvis is driven through the run game, and they're playing soft football. And Fair. That's what's won for them in the past, and when you need Russell to make the plays, he will. Fair, and I'm, I don't get me wrong. I trust Russell Wilson. I do. It's not like I don't trust him. It's Pete Carroll that I don't trust. It's, I'm not saying I would fire him like today, but you know, if it happens, well, it happens. He's going to be there for at least through next season. So yeah, maybe then you'll get yourself a new coach, or shoot, maybe you'll just you know hire Tom Cable and bring him back, or Brian Schott. Not right. Jim Moore Jr. is available. So there's a lot, you know, good coaches out there. Maybe Holmgren can come back for you. I mean, you guys have run the gamut of bad coaches, so just like Pete Carroll, I don't know how to help you. Yeah, fair point. I'm stubborn. Oh, what can I say? is doing a pretty good job. You gotta no, Schott, I like I like the Schottenheimer family. I do. I like Marty. I like Brian. I'm. I. It's not like I don't. I don't like them. As coaches, because sometimes, to, because sometimes the play calling just infuriates me. But then again, I might be talking on my ass. So what am I saying? Well, I think a lot of teams would be more than happy to take Pete Carroll at this point. You know, I think it's tough for guys like Adam Gaze and other young coaches around the league because they keep getting compared to guys like Belichick, Sean Payton, Pete Carroll that have built. Chad? Whoa, shit. What happened? It's, it's time, time to, to be BS. What happened? Eh, technical difficulties. Eh. A U Stadium podcast. <laughs> technical difficulties. Yep. I lost you. You good? I'm good. All right. Testing, testing, testing. Okay, we're good. <laughs> I had to keep it recording. It was too funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, all that criticism of Pete Carroll, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a little tough to take, especially when, you know, I get the privilege of watching Pat Shermer every week and Freddie Kitchens and some of these guys that are just absolutely... Oh, crazy. God. I'm sorry, Cleveland. You should have kept Greg Williams. Or just hired a guy who was an NFL coach. That, too. I mean... You had to hire Freddie Kitchens. What? Yeah. Maybe they should have hired Condi Rice. Probably. Yeah. So you could have done the worst job with Freddie. I think he's a guy who looks lost. And he kind of getting to that point where his face is almost to put me out of my misery. Oh, God. He reminds me of like a real life Peter Griffin a little bit. <laughs> now, if they can't beat the Broncos this week, then they have to have to fire then they what do they call, pull the trigger after this week no they're going to keep Freddie for the and then eventually they'll be a serious direction they go to head coach it's uh it's very clear that he is getting way over his head so let's go to Cleveland shall we um the Browns talent situation how would you fix that Would you trade Odell? Chad? 
technical difficulties. A U Stadium podcast. Please excuse us, ladies and gentlemen. We are experiencing technical difficulties. You gotta fix your phone service, man. Might be that. Yeah, how about that? But how would you fix Cleveland's situation? Like, I would you? I drafted off at the tackle in the first round, and then I drafted Bard in the second round. And all of a sudden, the offense would start to work a little bit better, especially if you could find maybe a veteran that could be a serviceable left tackle as that kid develops. But you know, right now they've just got so many issues on the offensive line. There's issues with the quarterback. So you need to get a new coach in there, a new offensive coordinator, and uh, you know, ultimately rebuild it to kind of the offense first. Because I think the defense has enough talent to be competitive. Absolutely, the, the, the especially on offense. Good God. Yeah, I mean it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, Warren, uh, well, Walter Sharp, who's a football analyst guy, was saying last year basically Freddie's success on offense was driven off of you playing a lot of twelve personnel, one back and two tight ends, and. And then this year, he's just completely almost abandoned it. Now, granted, David Njoku's injury impacts that, but Baker Mayfield struggles in 13 personnel, one back and three wide receivers. So the idea that you went out and picked up Odell Beckham, maybe you should have gone out and gotten another tight end. Like a Jimmy Graham. Hey, yeah, Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I mean, come on. Who who knows? But right now, it's just like their offensive identity. You can see that Freddie's trying to scheme scheme opportunities for Odell, give him the ball. When really they're best when they're running the offense through Nick Chubb. So you think the Beckham trade was a mistake? Uh, you know, I it's hard to say. The ownership loved it. They sold a lot of tickets. They created buzz. And sometimes you got to realize there is a business side to all this. But football wise, no, I didn't like the trade. I didn't. I liked the trade considering he gets his cancers behind out of New York. But hey, what do I know? I'm you just know, a guy recording a podcast. Seems, it seems like Jamal Adams wants to follow him out the door next. Oh, please. Just, we don't need divas in New York. The last thing we need, honestly, is divas here in New York. But then again. Athletes nowadays are more and more becoming divas. So it's across all sports. But Jamal Adams comments today, you know, compares himself to immature. Donald and Tom Brady, like, why don't you shut up and, you know, maybe, you know, produce a little bit. You got two interceptions in your career. You look lost in space. You've lost, I've seen him lose games in coverage. And you know what? They benched him for a reason. He hasn't been playing very well this season. Strong words coming from Chad Forbes. Well, I don't know. I like to call him box safety. Hey, not wrong about, about that about, one. Excuse me. Uh, his pal, uh, uh, Mr. Adams. I like you, Chad. I'm going to have you on more often. Hey, I, I hold no punches, that's for sure. Oh, for God's sakes. Chad, you're awesome. <laughs> you are perfect for this show, my man. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just a hot take waiting to happen, right? Oh, for God's sakes, you're perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why they didn't trade Jamal Adams. I think it's probably the owner intervened and said, you can't trade him. How am I going to sell jerseys during the Christmas season, right? Hey, I want to trade for him. Jamal, I mean, they had Jamal Adams you know, beating kids from schools this week and... He's become basically the face of the franchise. It's actually pretty funny. You walk into Farm Park, right? Yeah. And they've got murals of, you know, I guess they're cornerstone players, right? So most teams have this, but not as much as the Jets do, where it's like they're kind of trying to brag about it. Even though these players, I would basically, I wouldn't want anyone to know they're on my roster. But there's a big picture of Brian Winters 
one of the worst right guards in football. He's one of their six foundational players in Florham Park. It's, it's embarrassing. Are you kidding you know, like, me? It, it's, it's actually sad. Some of the guys that are on that wall, it's like, they're <sighs> replace them every six months. But. Listen, just have Joe Namath, Darrell Rebus, Mangold, Jabrigashaw. Just don't put Ken O'Brien on there. Just put the five greatest players in Jets history on there and just don't put Ken O'Brien on there, whatever you do. You know what's always amazing to me is your fan fandom and the craze of being a fan of a certain team. It's like, how can you root for a team where you openly admit that you don't like the owner and you don't trust him? I feel like if I was going to choose a team, the first thing I'd want to do is make sure I thought the owner was a really smart guy. You would like my friend Kyle. He's a He's a very passionate Bills fan. And he's he's been a Bills fan for his entire life, and just sometimes will trash the management because he can, and rightfully so. He's a he's a former season ticket holder of the Bills. I, I don't know how he does it, but he does. You know, it's interesting. I think most fans nowadays are you know want to fire the coach. They always trash the management. Which is why I thought Joe Douglas yesterday coming out having a press conference, going on the radio, making all the rounds. I thought he did a pretty good job. Okay. No, I like him. I like him. I like Joe Douglas. Most of these guys, the general managers and coaches, just struggle with the ability to communicate. And then when they get asked a tough question, rather than answering honestly, they just backtrack, sidestep. You know, the guys that are just kind of open and honest end up developing a pretty good relationship with the fans that seem like they want to run them out of town every two weeks. So like Mike Mayock of the Raiders, for example. Yeah, man, man seems like he's doing an okay job out there, and it'll be interesting to see how that relationship with develops, because... Gruden's a tough personality, and when he wants something, he's going to get it. And the Raiders look good so far. Yeah, they're, they're, they're playing well. And, yeah. Uh, John, John's actually doing a really good job. That goes back to your idea of playing complimentary football. I mean, they're really protecting their defense the best they can. They're running the ball, and they're grinding out games with a good offensive line. Absolutely, Chad. Listen, I'm going to call it a night. It's been a pleasure having you on, my man. You are absolutely welcome to come back on. Well, guys, I had a great, a great time on your podcast, and uh, send me a link, and I'll give it a listen, and uh, hopefully I sound good. Hell yeah, brother. Trust me. You, you sound great. <laughs> right. You have a good night. <laughs> you too, brother. Thank you, Chad, for coming on. Wow, I sound horrible. But then again, I make things dramatic. <laughs> I'm going to fuck to sleep. I don't fucking care. I'm going to sleep. I'll see you guys on the next one.